Good morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church. We are so glad that you are here today to worship the Lord and hear from God's word from Pastor Bay. So please stand with us and let's worship him together. All right.
sins are many and they are no more. If we put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ, he's promised to remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, put them in the deepest sea and put up a sign saying no fishing. He, he didn't say that part, but I did. So that's good. So he, we're glad to have you here. If you're coming by way of Facebook or uh, YouTube, thank you so much for tuning in. If you're here in the church, we're so glad to have you here. And we want you to fill out one of these cards in just a moment. In the seat backs in front of you is a contact card, our connection card. We'd love to have you fill it out. If you'll do that, we'll give you a Starbucks gift card. If you don't believe in Starbucks, you can give it to somebody who does. I'll take it. Um, <laughs> Coffee is neutral, morally neutral, but anyhow, and you can put your prayer requests on here, questions that you might have. Speaking of prayer requests, would you join me as we bow in a word of prayer this morning and ask God to bless, in particular, uh, Julie, our our secretary's son, 42 years old, got in the hospital today with uh, bleeding on the brain, so let's pray for him. Our Father, we come to you this morning so grateful and thankful we have a God who can reach all the way across the country, literally into uh, another state, and uh, Father can uh, there in Florida touch uh, Joshua and heal him, help the doctors to be able to figure out what to do. God, we pray that you would give her a calm and a peace in the midst of all of that. We pray that, God, you would give healing. Lord, you're the one who heals. Doctors and medications and all of that are things that we can use, but they work because of the way you created us as our God and as our maker. So, Father, I pray that you would be with Joshua right now and help him to do a lot better immediately. Father, bless. I know there are others here who are going through difficulties. I think of uh, the Webb family and the loss of Gary, and I pray that you'd continue to give solace and comfort to them. I pray, God, that you would bless us today as we look into your word. God, help us to realize that, that we are nobodies in one sense, but in another sense, we are somebody because by faith, by grace through faith, we become a child of the King. We thank you for all you do for us, and thank you for this time of the year, this season. In Jesus' name we pray, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated, and if you are visiting for the first time, please take one of those and fill them out, one of these cards and seat back, and then what you can do is you could give it to us after the service, or you can put it in our tithe and offering box, which is to the left of the double doors on that little stand with the cross on top. Uh, So welcome, everybody. We have a trustee meeting right after this service. I'm not going to say it's going to be short because if I say that, it'll jinx it, but I think it'll be short. Anyhow, uh, that'll be right after the service. We'll meet in this uh, adult classroom. Thursday, uh, study of Jude. David, is that still on? No. In Obadiah. Well, that's just right next to it, right? Yeah. Okay. All right. Obadiah. Oh, sorry about that. Okay. Sounds good. And then Friday, the service for Gary Webb will be uh, at Ocean View Church at 10 a.m. Uh, so you will be invited to that. And then Sunday, they found what they diligently sought, a Christmas message. And then, believe it or not, Christmas will be here on the 24th, Christmas Eve is our Christmas Sunday. We have church at 10 o'clock in the morning and then again at 5 at night. For David Preston, for his ministry with uh, Susa, uh, which is uh, the Basque foreign student ministry, exchange student type thing, where they come over for a month, uh, we raised a little over $1,700 so far. If you still want to have a part uh, in sending him as an ambassador of First Baptist Church uh, to Basque country, the overall trip is going to be about $3,000, so uh, just t- all you have to do is turn it in and say for 
S-U-S-A, summer in the USA, or for David, or however you want to indicate it like that. He'll be our missionary uh, coming up in January. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Uh, end of the year giving must be postmarked by December 31st in case you're interested in knowing that. So let's go ahead and continue to worship the Lord this morning. I'm going to ask you now that you got all comfortable to stand up once again and let's sing.
Thank you. you. May be seated. Thank you guys. Thank you so much. 
I think one of my favorite Christmas carols. So, and know the author who wrote that, which is kind of cool. No service personnel's luncheon today. Sorry, doesn't mean you can't eat. Uh, just, just means you can't eat here. Uh, so, yeah, look around. If you see a sailor that looks particularly hungry, you might go ahead and uh, take them out to lunch. That would be all right and permissible. But we're glad to have everybody here, and uh, we'll get back on track with that. I know the holidays uh, make for some changes, and be flexible on that. Appreciate it. Luke chapter one. While you're turning to Luke chapter one, I'm going to ask all the boys and girls, uh, First Baptist Church, to come on down here just for a moment. Want to share some things with you. Uh, some thoughts just before you go into your Sunday school class where they'll take the Word of God and teach you what God wants you to know about living for Him. So, uh, But first of all, how many of you have moms or dads? <laughs> Not quite everybody, but almost, <laughs> almost everybody has a mom or dad. Now, what happens, do, do you sometimes, how many of you sometimes... Uh, Parents, don't look right now. How many of you sometimes disobey your mom and dad? You ever notice how you can raise your hand like this or you can raise your hand like this? Huh? Yeah. It's like, yeah, I don't want to lie in the house of God. However, I'm not going to incriminate myself with my mom and dad sitting right out. Okay. So what happens when you disobey mom and dad? Nothing? You get in trouble? No? Yeah? Do you sometimes get disciplined? No. Yeah. Okay. Well, you know what? Same thing happens when we disobey God. If we disobey God, he disciplines us, and he makes sure that we realize that we can't do things that are contrary to his will without it costing us something. So when moms and dads discipline us, it's because they want us to do what's right, because they know if we do what's right, we'll be happier and, and healthier, and everything will go better for us. <laughs> so, uh, so I just lost my thought. So, make sure you obey God in all things. Make sure you do exactly what he did. You know Mary, they just sang about Mary. Do you know Mary was told by an angel that she would have a son, and that her son would be Jesus, and he would be the son of God. And you know what she did? She obeyed God, she believed God, and she went ahead and served God, and God blessed her because of that. So obey your mom and dad, obey God always, and you'll be happier and blessed for it. Now, I have something we're going to give to all of you. We're going to give one per family because I don't have enough for everybody to get one. So uh, go ahead and, and get from Miss Pat and then, and then come back here and we're going to pray in just a minute. One per family, one per family. William, you can share with Ellie. All right. Now, here's what, here's what we're going to do. We're going to pray, and then you're going to take them to, to your mom and dad so they can hang on to them. And mom and dad, in case you are uh, of the opinion that no one should ever mention the guy with the big red suit and all that, uh, you need to go ahead and read this, this disclaimer, okay? It does talk about that. It also talks about uh, Jesus being born in the stable. So uh, let's pray right now. God, I pray for every young guy and young gal that's up here right now. God, I pray that you would bless them, protect them. Lord, you have a plan for their lives. You gave them life. You created them. And Father, you have a purpose and a plan for them. I pray that you would help them to always live for you and serve you. That Father, we would decide that we're going to obey God every chance we get and never disobey him uh, without, uh, on purpose anyhow. Father, we pray that you would forgive us of our sins and bless us in Jesus' name. And all the kids said, 
Okay, take the books to your moms and dads and then go ahead and go to your class. They'll hang on to them for you and make sure they'll kind of preview them. All right, there you go. How you doing, William? You good? Okay, good to see you today. Yeah, you want to go to your class? Go ahead. Or you can stay up here and preach. Whichever one. Okay, there you go. Luke chapter 1, verse 26. I know you're there, but give me a minute to share three different antidotes with you, would you please? Three different antidotes. First of all, many years ago, there was a baseball playoff game involving New York Yankees, which, by the way, $7,700 million over 10 years. Somebody figured out. I don't know if this is accurate. I didn't bother figure it out. It's $2.22 per second. I don't know why that just amazes me, but $70 million a year. Pat figured out that's $7 million tithe a year. I hope he does tithe somewhere. (laughs) Anyway, there was a baseball playoff game involving the New York Yankees, and I don't know who the other team were, but the Yankees were in jeopardy of losing the game. In attendance were thousands of children. Some bunches of children had come together on buses and so on, and they were they were just nobodies. They were out in the, you know, out in the far outfield stands and uh, where you have to have binoculars to see home plate and, and all of that. But they were there. Nobody special, just fans came to watch a game. Then it happened. A long ball was hit, and it kept on going and going and going. But it looked like one of the opposing team players was going to get under that ball at the very last minute at the fence and, and save a home run. But at the last moment, a young boy reached out and caught the ball before the opposing player could. It was ruled a home run, and the boy went from being a nobody fan to becoming somebody instantaneously. He was a celebrity automatically. He received countless interviews and, uh, and also was given tickets to another game. A nobody became a somebody because he caught a ball. Another story, Mr. Manfred Paines, P-E-I-N-S, was a member of the church in North Plainfield, New Jersey, and during World War II, he faithfully served in the military, and like most soldiers, uh, compared to the vast size of the Army or the Navy or the Marine Corps or whatever, he was just another number, just another face, just another person, just another trooper doing his job. And then one day, 50 years after the fact, 50 years later, He was contacted by the United States Postal Service. A letter he had sent to his girlfriend, Ruth, who was now his wife and had been for many years, had been found. And so this couple was brought to Washington, D.C. and presented with the vintage letter. There was a lot of publicity. And for a brief moment, uh, Manfred and Ruth went from being nobodies to being somebody. One more story. In 1918, there was a baby boy born to a dairy farmer in Charlotte, North Carolina. I have no idea how many little boys were born to farmers. Some of you already know where I'm going with this one. Uh, But I'm I'm sure there were many. Therefore, this little boy was a relative nobody, just a farmer's son in uh, a state back east. Growing up, his his father was on a committee that helped bring Mordecai Ham, who was a great evangelist, uh, to the area. During the meetings, that nobody of a boy... At 17 years of age, profess faith in Jesus Christ as his Lord and Savior. We know this little boy's name. It's Billy Graham. So a nobody, relatively speaking, in the bigger scale of things, uh, became a somebody. Now, I want to take you back in time in Luke chapter 1 to a little nowhere town, to where a little nobody girl lived. And as we continue to prepare for Christmas, I want to see how nobody 
became somebody. And then I want to talk about the fact that even though we are nobodies, we are somebody that Christ died for on the cross. In the sixth month, Luke chapter 1, verse 26, in the sixth month, sixth month of what? Sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Uh, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city, a town, really, of Galilee named Nazareth, which means branch, to a virgin espoused. What does that word espoused mean? It's, it's a betrothal. It's, it's more binding than engagements are today. Uh, to be engaged today doesn't mean you're married. To be engaged today doesn't mean you have to go through a physical divorce to, to end that engagement. It can just simply mean the, the lady takes the ring off and throws it at the, uh, at the guy, or uh, the guy demands the ring back, or something. Uh, but in this day and age, 2,020-some years ago, a betrothal meant that if they were going to break that, there had to be a formal divorce. So uh, she was a spouse or engaged betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph, meaning Jehovah has added, uh, and he was of the house of David, the house and lineage of David, and the virgin's name was what? Of course. It was the sixth month of another miracle pregnancy. Zacharias and Elizabeth were righteous people, but they were quite elderly, and at an age when Elizabeth should have been a grandmother or maybe even a great-grandmother. She was getting ready to be a mom. That scares the fire out of me right there. It really does. <laughs> Who knew when we were having kids that would be a life sentence? Who knew? that? You know, just never thought of it that way. My kids aren't watching this, so I'm good. As we learned last week, Zacharias had been burning incense in his temple duties, and the angel Gabriel appeared to him while he was doing that, and Zacharias was told that he and Elizabeth would be parents of a prophet who, who was scheduled to appear before the coming of, of Israel's Messiah. He would be called John. We would know him in the New Testament as John the Baptist or John the Baptizer, John the one who baptizes, but it was foretold in Isaiah's prophecy, chapter 40 and verse 3, uh, the voice of him that cries in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, make straight in the desert a highway for our God. You realize that John the Baptist was out in the wilderness preaching and people were getting converted and he was baptizing them. You realize that was a picture of what happened when Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt, out of the world, they went into the wilderness for a time. And see, they weren't supposed to be there for a whole generation, but it wound up they were there for a whole generation. So John is bringing these wayward Jews uh, down to the wilderness once again uh, to, because he's got a plan for them. And the plan uh, of this forerunner of Christ the Savior, in the sense, as I, I think I played this last week, uh, but when, when a king would be traveling a highway, uh, they would send people ahead of time who would, uh, who would level the high places and, and who would uh, fill in the low places and would make straight the curves wherever possible and would smooth the passage. The whole idea of Jesus riding into Jerusalem and people putting their coats and, and palm fonts down and everything was also uh, typical of this idea of preparing the way of the Lord. But that's what John was going to be doing. And because Zacharias... Uh, doubted that Elizabeth was really going to have a baby in her old age, uh, he was disciplined by being made unable to speak. Now, it was a temporary ailment that would be relieved um, when, when, he, when John was born, but it was very effective. They, Elias came out. People perceived that he had had some kind of a vision. Something had happened. He could no longer speak. He went home, uh, and pretty soon Elizabeth became pregnant. 
And in verse 26, Gabriel is on the move again. This time, he would take a message to where we would call a nowhere town, if you understand anything about Nazareth. He was going to Galilee, which by itself was an area of Judah that was despised by many Jews because of so many mixed population, Gentiles peppered in along with the, the Jews. But specifically, he was going to the town of Nazareth. And I quote from uh, a Bible commentator, Kent Hughes, when he talks about Nazareth and uh, in the Gospel of Luke, he says, Nazareth was a non-place. <laughs> Anybody here come from a non-place? I, I used to, you know, I, I was brought up south of Chicago about 40 miles, and so I would tell Pat about, you know, the, the things I'd see in Chicago. And, and then one day she figured out I was brought up in a suburb called Treat, Illinois, population 3,600. And she was from Junction City, population of about 20,000. So all of a sudden, we switched horses on that one. But anyhow, we don't talk about that a lot. But it was a non-place in in many ways. Nazareth was a non-place. It was not even mentioned in the Old Testament. Wasn't even mentioned by Josephus in his writings, nor in the rabbinical writings. No one says anything about that. Nazareth was a shoddy, corrupt, halfway stop between the port cities of Tyre and Sidon, according to Kent. And it was overrun with Gentiles and Roman soldiers, two things that Jews didn't care for. When Gaius, straight-talking Nathaniel, mentioned Nazareth, he said, Nazareth, can any good thing come from there? Implying it was miserably corrupt, And by consensus, Nazareth wasn't much. Now, not only did Gabriel go to this nowhere town in this nowhere part of the country, but he went to a nobody person. Mary was one of thousands of young girls in Israel at this time. Uh, Maybe even uh, one of thousands that were named Mary. It was a very common name, a derivative of Miriam. uh, And all these Jewish peasant girls with a common name, at ages between 12 and 14, this is kind of uh, interesting, would become betrothed or would become married at such a young age, raise a family in relative poverty, and eventually they would die. And there wouldn't be a big deal about it because they were nobody people. But this Mary was a virgin who was betrothed and to be married to Joseph, a descendant of King David. And he was a village carpenter. So we... um, The confrontation is seen in verses 28 and following. The angel came in unto her and said, uh, Hail, you are highly favored. You are blessed, in other words. The Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled, and she cast in her mind. This idea, uh, the the Greek words here are the idea of she tried to reason out. She was trying to uh, figure out what in the world uh, this meant and how this could come to pass. She, she tried to make sense of what she was seeing and what she was hearing. This, and he says, uh, she cast about this in her mind, what manner of salutation or greeting this should be. The angel said unto her, fear not, Mary. You know what? If an angel appeared to us, we might very well be fearful. We might, we might wonder, what, what is this thing, this vision that we're having? What, what is the idea? And so she Uh, She might have been fearful, but the angel reassured her, don't be afraid because you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus, which literally means Jehovah saves. And he shall be great and shall be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father, David, and he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever and of his kingdom. There shall be no end. So there was the promise. Gabriel, who had appeared to 
Zacharias now appears to Mary, and we don't know when exactly that took place. We don't know how exactly it took place. We don't know where exactly it took place. But we know from her response that Mary knew she was talking to a supernatural being of some kind. We knew that because he was, he was claiming that things were going to happen uh, that, sh- that could not possibly happen uh, naturally. So here's a very interesting greeting. She's told she's highly favored, blessed among women, and the Lord is with you. So now this kind of further narrows that group of however many thousands of young Jewish girls uh, were born who had the name Mary. It narrows it a little bit more. Highly favored, blessed among women, the Lord is with her. And in an instant, Mary, who could very well have thought of herself as a nobody, is told she's somebody with God. And I want you to know something. You may have been told you're a nobody from your childhood. You may have been told that from bullies and friends at school who, well, not friends, but enemies at school. You may have been told that by an employer or another employee. You may have been told that you're a nobody. You're nothing. You're not worth anything. And I want you to know something. With God, if you were the only, I believe if you were the only person that had ever lived, that he would have sent his only begotten son to die on the cross for you. You're important to God. God loves people. God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son. So here this nobody is told she is a somebody with God. And this is a glorious piece of news. Mary, of course, was special. She was contemplative. She was shown uh, that way here in Luke's gospel. Uh, Mary would think about things and was told things would happen here. Later on, she would uh, reason out that when they were out of uh, the 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 wine at the wedding feast, that Jesus would be the one who could make a difference. And she figured that out, and she told him about it. And so here she's troubled. She tries to reason out or understand what's going on. And that more, of, oh, that more of us would try to reason things through and think about things. The Bible says she pondered them. She didn't doubt, but she pondered. There's nothing to indicate that she didn't believe the angel Gabriel, but she thought about, what in the world? How can this happen? Verse 30, if you ever met a messenger, you would, get, you would think maybe you're in some kind of trouble if you ever met an angel. And quite frankly, we might be afraid, but Gabriel calms her by telling her to fear not. She's highly favored in God's eyes. So verse 31, she's told she's going to have a baby. Yeah, I, I, if I had been Mary, I would ponder that too. I would wonder about that, especially if I was me. I would really ponder that. <laughs> Mary was told she was going to have a baby, and the baby's name would be Jesus or, Je- or Jehovah's salvation. Mary would be the mother of the long-awaited Messiah. The Jews all knew about a coming Messiah. He had been promised as early as Genesis chapter 3, verse 15. After the fall into sin, uh, there was a promise from God that Satan would, would bite the heel of the man-child, and the man-child would crush the head of the serpent. Speaking of Christ, the King of kings, Lord of lords, defeating ultimately one day Satan. But Satan, first of all, biting his heel. Satan getting the apparent victory uh, over Jesus at the crucifixion. Uh, But this this baby that she's going to have, this little baby, the the king of kings is not coming with with a trumpet fanfare and and a a horde of troops accompanying him. He's not riding in on a white charger. He's he's coming as a little tiny baby formed and fashioned in his mother's womb and born just like you and I came into this world. Mary was special. She would be the mother who would bear the Messiah. Now, some call her the mother of God. In one sense, 
that's true. But let's be careful about it. Mary was a human being in need of a Savior just like you, just like me. She was not perfect, but she was an incredibly highly favored young lady, and she was a virgin, and she was the vessel that God had chosen. Her offspring had no beginning. Now, the baby's body, Jesus' body, was formed and fashioned in his mother's womb, but, but Jesus has always been. There's never been a time when there was not the Son, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, all the way from before creation, before any, whatever happened, before we even know about uh, creationism. Uh, he was the begotten, not created Son, begotten. And Mary was special. Jesus would be great. He would become and be called the Son of the Highest. Jesus would be the Son of of God, and he was to be both God and man. Isaiah said it this way, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. A child is born, perhaps referencing his humanity. A son is given means that Jesus existed before he came to earth. He is and was and always will be God. And Israel's promise of the one who would sit on David's throne would be this one who was born of a virgin Mary. And his kingdom would be permanent. The conception, verses 34 through 37, this is the mystery of mysteries. Then said Mary unto the angel, Gabriel, the same angel who announced to uh, to Elizabeth that she would have a son, or to Zacharias that she would have a son, now appears to Mary, her cousin, linking for the first time John and Jesus together. They were cousins, uh, John being about six months older than was Jesus. Uh, How shall this be, seeing I know not a man? And what she was talking about is she wasn't uh, physically intimate uh, with a a man. So she was just saying, how is this going to happen? Reasoning and pondering. Uh, She was still a virgin. She knew that. And the angel said unto her, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And I checked out that phrase. And and the same phrase is used with the Holy Spirit descended upon the day of Pentecost. When those disciples were in the upper room and they were praying and they were preaching and they were looking forward to the coming again of Christ, uh, the Holy Spirit came upon them and endued them with great power. It's the same phraseology used. The Holy Ghost shall come upon you, Mary, and the power of the highest shall overshadow you. And that idea of overshadowing is the language used of the Spirit of God resting over on the cloud above the tabernacle. You remember when that tabernacle was opened and dedicated? Remember the, the Shekinah glory came and overshadowed. It, 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 it engulfed that temple, showing God's presence in the tabernacle and later in the temple. Therefore, also the holy thing, the holy child, which shall be born of you, shall be called the Son of God. So Gabriel's continuing to elaborate. And behold, your cousin Elizabeth, she has also conceived a son in her own age, in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For with God, nothing shall be impossible. I wish we could believe that and and practice that all the time. With God, nothing is impossible. Oh, preacher, I've been praying for my loved one for 30 years, 40 years. I don't know they're ever going to get saved. Hey, all things are possible. Well, I've got this bad doctor's report. I don't know that I'm going to be healed. Well, guess what? All things are possible. Doesn't mean God always does exactly what we ask him to do or want him to do, but all things are possible. Uh, we're, we're, we're going to be celebrating Gary's, uh, Gary Webb's uh, home going to heaven this coming Friday. But you know, his, his mom had cancer, uh, and I remember going to the hospital 
and she uh, was, they, they had exploratory surgery for like three and a half hours. They came out. I remember the doc, we're sitting in the waiting room, her husband, her sons, uh, and, and we're sitting. I don't know if, I can't remember if Donna was there or not. I was there with them, and the doctor came out, and, and with his very sad face, he said, there's nothing we can do, absolutely nothing we can do. And so she underwent some treatments just for, to go through the motions, and she went back six months, I think it was later, they found absolutely no cancer. Everything, it was, cancer was everywhere six months before. Now there was no cancer anywhere. She lived for another 38 years, I think it was, something like that. You know, with God, all things are possible. Don't put limitations on what God can or cannot do. Mary was not like Zacharias who doubted Gabriel. She was simply trying to understand, comprehend how she could have a baby without a physical relationship with her husband. Mary's told the birth of Christ would be a miracle, would be the virgin birth. I love what someone said today um, on, online. Let me see uh, see if I can get it right. Said, oh, that we would... Um, have that we would believe so that we could understand how things happen instead of wanting to understand how things happen before we believe. Some things have to be accepted by faith. You know what? It still takes faith. You say, well, I'm not in. I want, I want to see it. I want to feel it. I want to smell it. I want to know it. I, I want it to be like something you can do in the lab, laboratory. Uh, listen, life is not that way. You don't live your life that way. You live by faith. Atheist said, I don't live by faith. Yeah, you did. You get up in the morning. If you, were gonna, if you didn't think you were going to live, you wouldn't get up. Just die in bed. You drink the coffee thinking it's going to give you a zap and give you some life or an energy drink or whatever. And, 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 and you think it's going to have an effect. You eat food thinking your body's going to assimilate it, digest it, and nourish your cells, and cells will be repaired. You, you, you get in your car by faith. If you didn't think you were going to make it, you wouldn't get in your car. You, you, would, you, would, just, you would say, you know, I'm, I'm not going to go out today because I'm afraid that I'm not going to make it. Uh, everything you do is by faith except when it comes to the, uh, trusting Christ as your personal Savior. Some people say, well, I, I, don't, I don't believe that. I can't, I can't have faith in something like that. If you can't have faith about eternal life, what, can, what good is it? You can flip a switch. Maybe it won't come on. So what? You just replace the light bulb or reset the breaker or pay your electric bill. Magically, the light will come back on. But if you don't receive Christ as your personal Savior, you go into an everlasting hell separated from God for eternity. can't imagine that. I can't even, it almost, almost makes me feel sorry for Satan. It almost does to think that forever and ever, Satan, the fallen angels, the lost people are going to be in that terrible place. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary was given this information, this responsibility, and, and her response was amazing. You know what? What about this? Not only was she amazed at what was going to happen to her in this miraculous birth, but also she would have to bear the brunt of people thinking she had been unfaithful to Joseph or that Joseph and Mary had had premarital sex, which was not allowable under Mosaic law. And she had to endure some people thinking she was an adulteress. She even had to endure a little while Joseph saying, what's up with that? Uh, maybe he didn't say it that way. 
She would have to raise, and then it didn't stop there because I am certain all of her life, people would kind of raise their eyebrows and say, yeah, here comes Mary who says her baby's from God. She had to put up with that. That's not an inconsequential thing. She raised her son under a cloud. And knowing all of, maybe not knowing and maybe not fully realizing all of this was going to follow her, but certainly knowing that this was going to be uh, some confusion for some people, her response is all the more amazing because she says, be it unto me according to thy word. You know what she was saying in essence? I accept and believe what you have told me. Be it unto me according to your word. Mary was in a situation that made faith an absolute necessity. She had to believe that this was going to happen because God's messenger says so. She had no credentials to be the mother of our Lord. She was a nobody from nowhere. She would have limited human support for being the mother of Jesus. An angel had to appear to Joseph before he would go ahead and take her as his bride. He thought about having her put away, not marrying her. Under Mosaic law, he could have had her stoned to death. But what's the application? Here's the application. Mary, of course, was somebody. Now, uh, we, we revere her. Uh, we don't worship her. Some do. We don't worship her. We recognize she was an incredibly pure, wonderful, amazing young lady chosen as a vessel uh, to bear Jesus by the, our Heavenly Father himself. So she, we know she was really special. And in and, and one sense, as I said at the very beginning of the message, we're all nobodies. Behold, I was shaped in iniquity and in sin did my mother conceive me. Uh, and that doesn't mean that the relationship that the mother and father had was sinful. It, what it means is in sin nature, I was conceived. My parents' anniversary would have been coming up in two days on Tuesday. It would have been their 78th wedding anniversary. I was conceived, I was not conceived as a result of sin, a sinful action. I was conceived, but I had a sin nature. I know it's hard to believe <laughs> that your preacher had a sin nature, but I did. I was shaven in iniquity and sin did my mother conceive me. Isaiah 64, 6, we are all as an unclean thing. All our righteousness, the very best that we have to offer, all our righteousness are as filthy rags and we do fade as a leaf. And our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We've been carried along as a sailboat is carried along by the breeze. So we have been carried along by our lustfulness and our sinfulness. And Romans 3.10, as it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. There is none that understands. There are none that seek after God. We are all gone out of the way. We are all together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. Not one of us is righteous in God's eyes before we meet Jesus. We are nobodies who deserve to go to hell. But just as Mary was confronted with good news from God through an angel, today I confront you with some good news from the Word of God. He, God, loves you. He loves you with a deep abiding love. The psalmist waxed eloquent. He said, oh, Lord, you've examined my heart. You know everything about me. You know when I sit down or stand up. You know my thoughts even when I'm far away. You see me when I travel and I rest at home. You know everything I do. You know what I'm going to say even before I say it. Isn't that amazing? He knows what we're going to say before we say it. 
You go before me and you follow after me. You place your hand of blessing on my head. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too great for me to understand. I can never escape from your spirit. Not that we would want to. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you are there. If I go down to the grave, you are there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the furthest ocean, even there your hand will guide me and your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. God doesn't need a flashlight. God doesn't need the sunshine. God doesn't need to flip the switch, turn the lights on, because all he has to say is, is let there be light. There will be light, but he can see us even in the darkness, in the darkest night. So what we do in the darkest night, what we do, sailors, when you're halfway around the world, what you say, what you think, where you go, all of those things, God knows every bit of that. To you, the night shines as bright as the day, O oh God. A darkness and light are the same to you. You made all the medicine, all the delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? He loves you. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God? They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand on the beaches. And when I wake, you're still with me. We discover this good news through an individual sharing. Maybe it was a Sunday school teacher that told you how to receive Christ as your personal Savior. Maybe it was a godly mom or dad who sat you down, read to you from the Word of God. Unfortunately, not all of us had that kind of, of, of a time with our parents, but, uh, but it was somebody, maybe a grandma, granddad, maybe somebody sat down and shared the Word of God with you, and you believed. We also discover the good news when we go to church and hear a pastor preach faithfully the words of God, because the words of God are all truth. They do not lie. Some have discovered the good news by reading books or by watching Christian TV or a TV show or a movie. Many have come to know Christ by reading about him in the Word of God, which is the infallible, inspired, supernatural Word of Almighty God. In verse 28, Mary was told she is highly favored even though she was a nobody. And there is a sense in which each of us is highly favored because God loves us. God showed his love by sending his son, the Lord Jesus, to die on earth. That's, that's the present. That's, that's the big present. That's the, y, 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 some of these kids, they probably see this, well, whoa, that's a big present. Go for the big ones, right? Ah, that's a big one. I like that. Little bitty one, ah, get the big one. You know what? The biggest present ever was eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Here in his love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation, the payment for our sins. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows, acquainted with grief, and we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We are nobodies who sinned against a righteous God, 
but God loves us and sent his son to die on the cross for our sins. And in a sense, as the Holy Spirit descended on Mary, in the sense, as the Holy Spirit came to rest upon the tabernacle in the wilderness, so the Holy Spirit of God can come to rest upon you and me. And in fact, even better, indwell us and our body becomes the temple of the Holy Spirit. We call it conversion. We call it the new birth, being born again. We call it being saved. We call it a lot of different things, but as many as received him, to them gave you the power, the ability, the authority to become children of God, even to them that believe on his name, who were born not after blood, nor after the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. So Mary the nobody became somebody through the work of the Holy Spirit in faith. And for us, being a nobody to becoming a somebody, we have to realize that we are sinners and we must believe in the Lord Jesus Christ through the work of the Holy Spirit. Zacharias and Elizabeth, Mary and Joseph, the Holy Spirit and Gabriel, all of them played a part in that very first Christmas. And nobody's like us can do great things for God if we would but trust and obey. You are somebody. You are special because God sent his son to die for you. Would you bow your head, please? Our Father in heaven, may we truly believe that. May we grasp that statement and apply it in our own lives and hearts. Father, we, we know we're sinners. We know that we are so affected by lusts and desires that are not Christ-honoring, but you still loved us in spite of all that, and you sent a remedy for our sin, and that's the Christmas story. That's the whole idea of Christmas. It's not about trees. It's not about uh, the gifts. It's not about uh, all of the things that go on in tradition. It's, it's about you sending your son to this earth and him living out 30, maybe 33 years or so on the face of this earth and then dying by crucifixion to pay the price for my sin because I should have died on that cross. I should have been crucified. The wages of sin is death, but he took my place. He took our place. And so we who are nobodies become children of almighty, eternal God. Thank you for that. With every head bowed, if you would like to receive Christ as your personal Savior, if you'd like to come to him and have him take all your sins off your shoulders and bear them on his own shoulders. That's the reason he died. You can pray. Pray something like this, dear God. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus Christ is your son. I believe he died on the cross and was buried and rose again on the third day. And right now, I want to ask you, Lord, be my Savior, be my God turn me from a nobody to a somebody, a child of the king. I trust you right now. If you just prayed that prayer, would you slip your hand up and hold it up for just a moment? Preacher, I just prayed that prayer and I meant it. God bless you and you. Thank you. Put your hands down. Are there others? God bless you. Anybody else? Anybody else? I just prayed that prayer, preacher. I, I believe it. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. You can put your hands down. Would you stand with me now? We're going to have an invitation. Here's what we do. We ask you if you'd like to come and say, hey, I prayed that prayer. Make that public profession. One of the first things that God tells us to do is let other people know that we've put our faith and trust in Christ. And I'd be glad to meet you down here. My wife would be glad to meet the ladies right down here. 
and just say, hey, I've trusted Christ. I prayed that prayer, but we've got something we want to give to you. If you're coming for special prayer, if you're coming to ask about membership or baptism, you come ahead. Whatever it is God's leading you to do, we'll sing a couple of verses of invitation, and you step out. If you're in the middle of, of a row, people will gladly move out of your way, but come on down, and we'll talk to you and pray with you here. thankful for his love for us. Deborah, would you mind dismissing us in a word of prayer? And I want you to have a blessed rest of the Lord's day. Be sure to keep him uh, in your heart and your mind. All day is the Lord's day. God bless you. Heavenly Father, Lord, just thank you for how great you are. However great we think you are in our minds, I'm sure you are thousands of times greater. And we just can't even fathom just how awesome and wonderful you are, Lord. And I pray that we would continue to keep that at the forefront of our thoughts. Please be with this church, Lord, as they go out into the world this week and um, just face all the challenges that are out there, Lord. Please keep us safe. Please bless us, Lord. Help us to bless others and help everything that we do uh, glorify your name, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. May God bless you and make his face to shine upon you and give you peace. Mm -hmm.